Yo, Pierre, you want to come out here? Here's another late development, and this news keeps coming in as we're talking here. So we all good with that? Sound like a play. Alright, cool. Then we'll get into the introductions. Alright, how y'all doing? Welcome, welcome to the Books and Beyond, the Mail Book Club. We did it. We finally got ourselves a book club. And today I am your host, Hero, and I have with me JB Black, Rob Bass. Down in the corner, I see you. Uh <laughs> real quick, you guys say what's up. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's going on, everybody? Looking forward to this discussion. And what we try to do here today, what we're trying to do here today is indulge the minds of the black man and basically give ourselves the opportunity to know, you know, express ourselves a little bit because why shouldn't we have a book club? And then today we're reading uh, The Spook That Sat By The Door. We're doing a chapter review for one through five. And uh, before we get into the book and, you know, how we even came about this, just real quick, you know, Black, what's up? How you doing, man? How's your week been? Uh, long, long, long <laughs> week, man. Every week, same thing, you know, 70 plus hours of work. Hey, be a dad. <laughs> same shit, different toilet. <laughs> what about you, JB? What's been up? Man, just getting it done, man. Uh, same as Black, just working. Trying to, you know, trying to climb the corporate ladder, trying to make make it for myself. So this book, this book was, you know, it speak to me. Hey, this book is talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Rob? What's good? Hey, man. Same, same as JB and Black. Same thing. I think um, I've been working remote since March, and it wasn't until like this past week I finally got an actual work desk. So man, I I feel different actually sitting in the chair. <laughs> feel official. Hey, you got the kitchen up. tables. <laughs> I, I, bruh, I, I was there. Oh, man. I, I wish I could. I wish I could uh, change up the tune, but really, you know, every day is exactly the same now. Now, to tell you the truth, ever since this pandemic came hit and it's affected all aspects of life, but I've also, you know, just been trying to keep up with the the news cycle like you know i got the podcast so every day is just something new and it's just like bro can y'all just take a break for one day <laughs> but this is our break right here and this is going to be our little our getaway from the from the sights and sounds of the world you know this is our safe space and uh we're letting y'all into this world so uh we welcome you guys to uh books and beyond you know the male black the male book club so uh we're gonna get right into it in uh the chapter review, just a show of hands. You, this is a safe space. Who all actually made it to chapter five? Let's just come on, be real. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm guessing that's probably why we made it on. <laughs> that's so exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all didn't make it to chapter five, man, I recommend y'all y'all pick up the audio for y'all that did that. Uh, you know, and, okay, and uh, let's be, and, okay, I'm going to keep it real. I bootlegged my book. And that's probably why I have chapter six issues right now. <laughs> okay, because look, when you said that, I'm like, all right, look, let me buy this um audio because I you know because... I ain't opened up my book all the way. I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna buy this. <laughs> but, but but similar to Hero, when I read chapter five, 
and, and we'll get to it. I'm like, wait a minute, this this book just just took okay. a spin. I had okay, to read so it again. Okay, and uh, we'll get to it. Let's go ahead and start off with chapter one, and um, just open open minded. The, I immediately gonna tell you as soon as I read like four paragraphs into cha- chapter one, and I immediately said, "Why? Who picked this book?" Because I was like, "Who? Whose idea?" Rob, was Rob picked the book. Rob picked the okay. This is Rob's book. I was immediately I was like, "Yeah, I'm leaving this book club." Because I was but not. But no, this. Um, so I'm big on watching interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and Star's been interviewed, and Nipsey yeah. Nip had an interview on the Breakfast Club where he spoke highly of this book. So I'm like, one day I'm gonna read this book. And then when this whole idea of the book club came out, this is a perfect opportunity to force me to read this book. Okay. And I, I have to admit, when I thought Somerville was going to be our, our main character, and I was yeah. going to be yeah. like, I was like, man, this is some bull. Like, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing. Because I sure ain't, ain't fuck with the senator and his wife. Yeah, I was, I was <laughs> like, okay. Like, What's going on, man? Me personally, after Black Panther, I promised myself I'm no longer reading no more sad black slave stories. I'm no longer watching no more sad slave movies. Oh, we got to show y'all. No, I get it. I, I, I heard the stories. I've read enough about it. I'm experiencing it now. After seeing Black Panther, all I want to see is black excellence. So when I started reading this immediately, I was like, "Man, here go these motherfuckers." <laughs> but I was I was trying to make positive, but that but chapter one was basically this this setup of a senator who's yeah, and the names are really irrelevant because they really make them irrelevant. He calls them very generic names, and this speaks to something that happens later on in chapter three that he does and says like the sir and Mister part. It speaks to this part right here where it happens. He calls these people very generic names, but you notice he he's upset with Somerville. He's upset with Somerville, and Somerville is the token black guy in this room. It's a room full of white people. They're trying to make up a strategy to how to get black people to vote for them, which is very pertinent to our current uh, situation. And all of a sudden, you know, he says, you know, Somerville, we're going to give you another shot or some shit like this. Come back into this room. And the first thing that happened to me that made me think was like, Damn, they gave this dude a shot, but did they really give him a shot? Like, was I the only one that noticed that he didn't say anything? Yeah. You, so so they, they told him what? his suggestions. Like, yeah. like he gave he gave us real good recommendations, but he just telling him what he think. You know, yeah. and you see that pop back up again in chapter three, too. Uh, you you kind of talked about it, like they have their own ideas and all their thoughts about us. Okay. And they basically put us in the room to make us yeah. To make us feel like we are part of the okay. decision making. Yeah, but he okay. said that though. He said that in chapter one. He said, "All I do is just say what I think they gonna do, what they already want." So, and and that's got to be a painful existence, you know. We all yeah. work. I'll be damned. I don't tell you how many times I've stepped out of a medical office, been like, "So, did y'all need me today?" Because I could have stayed at the crib. You just called me for surgery. I don't need to be here for y'all discussions. Like y'all already got the plan. Just call. Don't you know? You don't have to pat my back. I'm beyond that, but that's got to be something. I didn't know that that was something that people were experienced back then. Like even back yeah. then, they had this way in mind. So well, they probably more so because of back then that but, they had to do shit like that. But that's kind of crazy. Because, well, and I'm saying it not. I'm not surprised. I didn't think that thought process would co- had come that far along already. I thought this was nuanced oh, right now. It's been nuanced since the '60s. That right it's there. It's been nuanced since like slavery. House nigga. Yeah, yeah, it's been nuanced yeah. since house nigga. Okay, so that's kind. Of, that kind of set me back a little bit. Then, then and then from that point on, I was just like, "Oh, okay, I gotta take this book serious. Like, I can't, I can't disrespect this book no more. I gotta take it serious because the nuance was just hit me so hard 
and uh, you know you mentally aware of it but like we all in this world and for some strange reason like being black uh, especially being black men in in any working field we already had the target on back and some people choose to you know walk in the light me i don't care so much man hey I'm here to save your life. If you don't like me, that's on you. You're going to die today. Like, it's just on you. <laughs> I'm not playing with you. Like, do I look? I wear, I wear a do-rag into the office, man. You know I don't care. You uh, got no waves, man. Man, I got to keep the hair flat, though. Shoot, you don't want these things, man. Those, like, you got to wear the surgery cotton. Like the little, oh, the surgical cotton hats, man, office. they suck all the moisture out your hair. So I got to keep the do-rag on, man. Oh man! I come into surgery with the do rag on, and I let everybody. I dare somebody to say something to me. I dare <laughs> you. You will, you love him, right? You better let me wear what I want to wear. But uh, chapter one kind of ended on that high note where we get word of the senator. You know, he eventually does win. They come up. They concoct this plan where they're going to basically paint a target on someone else's back. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where they have the black person on their team already. So they can point to any other team and say, you don't got a black person. So you're racist. And you see this, you see this. His wife said it too. Oh no. For, the wife is the mastermind. The wife is the smartest yeah. person in the room. She's in the smartest room, person in the she, room. She, she, yeah. In that room, she was like, yeah, we, we can pretty much point out anybody for that. Cause that in our whole lifetime, it'd still be the same way. Like till today, niggas still getting awards for being the first black person to get it. Like, what the fuck? And that was something that really baffled me. I was like, damn, there's still black people out here who haven't been the first of something. Like, yeah, that really baffled. So chapter one, while it started off extremely like mundane and slow, I thought it was going to be some bullshit. But immediately I said to myself, not only do I have to get the real version of this book, I'm going to have to start taking it serious because I I didn't want it. Once I got to chapter six, I noticed that shit was missing. I was I was heated because I was pushing past six. I was like, oh, no, I need to figure out what's going on. But uh, we go up into chapter two and who has and we have. uh, We meet our protagonist, the the man of the hour, uh, Freeman, just everybody just go around real quick and just talk about what your impressions of Freeman was was at that point. Rob, I think think for me, Freeman reminded me of a lot of people from the crib. And what I mean, crib, I mean, Chicago, a lot of people actually from the inner city. No, for sure. And Rob uh, Freeman is from Chicago. Well, wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is from yeah, Chicago. Yeah, he is. He is. All right. Jamie, Man, Freeman remind me of uh, – he remind me a lot of myself, honestly, and I think a lot of us can kind of see that as you try to navigate the, the corporate world. And, you know, it reminds me back to when my mom actually – I wanted to go to an HBCU out of – out of TF North and she was like you already know how to navigate your world you need to figure out how to navigate their world before you even stepping into it because what you want to do so it I mean you know having to be like oh I can't blow my cover like I think about that all the time but it's not like blowing a cover it's just like this is who I am but also like sometimes having to scale back like how intelligent I actually am because I don't want you to feel threatened by my intelligence and I and I've come a long way since then. Mm. I stepped into like first coming into that world. What about you, Black? I, I fuck with him, but for me, it's more so I see you know all of you guys that do that are that is in the corporate world because I'm not. I don't. I never had to deal with that. I do, I talk to these these motherfuckers how I feel like it all day, every day, even in the service. I um, used to go through that where 
them, them, the white boys be something. I just, regardless of their rank, I let them know who I'm not off back. I never really had to deal with it. Put the perception on so I can make it past that because while in the service being black is a benefit because, nigga, I'm more fucking physical than the rest of them. I might want the best runner, but I'm still getting the high scores and pretty much everything, especially tests and shit like that. Never failed the test, so. As far as that portion of the CIA, I ain't had to deal with that because, you know, the Marine Corps is a little bit less racist than it was 10 years ago. It's still racist as fuck. Yeah, but... <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's a little different for me. The, the, the first thing that popped into my mind when I was reading my Freeman was uh, a black James Bond. That was the first thing that kind of yeah. resonated with me. I was just like, mm. if this is if this is the origin story of James Bond, I'm about to fucking got <laughs> excited after that point. Because he already had his own plan. Yeah, he like, already he had and, and that's what it what it really became. And that's when you really start to get in because you want to learn more about this dude called Freeman. So he has a bunch of altercations and JV, you talked about the HBCU lifestyle, and I went to an HBCU, and it's so it's so interesting hearing that perspective about how your mom told you, no, don't do the HBCU because you've already navigated that world. While in my mind, I said to myself, I already know how to navigate this world, therefore I can move faster through it to what I want. There's people there that have already done what I'm trying to do, and that's what I kind of got from there. So it's very interesting, and, but they really do put the HBCU world out there. Uh, you figure out that his 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 light skinned rival. You just know J- You just know Freeman's a dark skinned dude for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but he MC though, so we never know. Well, yeah, like <laughs> you just know. Well, him being the MC got to do with anything. <laughs> <laughs> he might not actually be dark. He might be dark. <laughs> you know. It's kind of it was kind of crazy to just see the situation unfold, but when he runs into you know his mini boss, which is this Kappa and a few Greek people, and it's just methodical how you know he depicts and understands how they're being selected. He knows who's who's have who's going to have the toughest time as far as you know homosexuality being an issue. You know he has an issue with people. Who who are doing drugs and stuff like that? He's able to decipher these things. Like, did you what what gave you pickup signs that you know Freeman was going to be the one? I felt like he, for me, he did a good job of reading the other characters and without saying it, identify what their weaknesses were and kind of just stood in the shadows even when he was confronted by them, right? Hmm. Because I feel like a lot of other people view him as less than because he didn't talk like they did, he didn't dress like they did. All the while, so he was just sitting there like, oh, okay, I'm going to let my actions do the speaking. I'm not going to say anything. But the most I feel like that's what they were looking for. And the most part, he was doing everything he could to not be seen because they was actually yep. looking to just put every, you know, to get rid of all the black people, mm-hmm. say they wasn't good enough. Like, they was doing that shit all through the, through, through the first five chapters. Our no, buddy was saying how they not, they not smart enough for everything and shit like that. Yeah, but to, and to your point, Black, he was doing, he was trying not to be seen and they were saying yeah. how we wouldn't fit in because we can't yeah. we can't blend in. It's the hy- they, hypocrisy of that statement. Yeah. The hypocrisy of the fact that you know that the moment when he met the general, and I'm skipping over a very key point. Uh, we'll get back to Calhoun and then, but uh, when he was talking with the general, and the general literally had to say, "How did you miss him?" He's like, "Oh, you know." It's one of those people that you see his face, you forget him once you see him, you forget what he says up front. Literally, the definition of a field agent, someone you yeah. would want 
and he's defined him through his errors, but their arrogance and the hypocrisy of the whole not wanting to acknowledge, you know, black people for being capable. But uh, we get the first real conflict, which is uh, the Calhoun and uh, Freeman fight. Uh, this is the judo master and uh, Calhoun and uh, Freeman fight. And there was something that made me feel really uncomfortable about listening to this fight because two things happened immediately um, in this fight. One, you realize Calhoun doesn't really own this fight. It's a white man impersonating another culture to dominate our culture. And there's something that Calhoun is a straight up racist. He's a loud racist. He's the type of racist you want. You want to be able to. I like my racist loud. I like them to say the N word. I like to know where they're coming from. I like to be able to be able to put my red eye dot on him. The, the races I'm afraid of the most are the ones that shake my hand and said you're qualified, but you couldn't. We we can't use you right now. Those are the ones that I don't like because there's nothing I can do to them. I have to accept their racism. It, Calhoun is the best type of racist, and somebody I would after beating his ass, I would invite him over for a drink because you know the extent of his hate. You know how far he's gonna go. But how how cathartic was that ass whooping? <laughs> <laughs> like, what what was it about that ass whooping that like really put you over the hump? Did I mean, you? the whole time we knew it was gonna happen. Like, and, and you know, Freeman been waiting on this moment. Like, whether it's and we talked about it a little bit. Like when he was sizing up all the other black people in the room from where they from, he like just waiting on somebody to try him. Like, I'm just waiting on somebody to try this, and and but also still, I can't give my cover up how good I really am, you know, and, and how skilled I really am. So that that was what caught me like I can I can really handle him without even without even breaking a sweat for real. Like <laughs> that's really what he did. Well he sized him up first though. Even during the fight yeah. he, he made sure he knew that he you know he had him. He just saying we well, were overconfident how some of us would be I had to go through that in the service where I fucking when I was in boot camp. At the end of boot camp we got the crucible. And then doing the crew, it's what? It's like three, four days of us not barely sleeping, just straight up physical activity every day. And at the end of it, we, we get the box. We get the box on my, we call this motherfucker out. And this, this is white boys, me and my boy, both from Chicago. We knew who he's fucking up. You know, these white squad leaders. So it was like, all right, cool, I got this dude. So this one dude is talking shit to me fucking for the past like week and a half. He's like, yeah, I want to fight Chester. The beginning, before the cruise was started. I'm like, cool. Time to fight. He comes to the side, he's like, yeah, Chester, I don't want to fight you no more, but it's all good, we all cool. I'm like, okay, cool. Drill instructor's like, who you want to fight, Chester? I'm like, this motherfucker. <laughs> 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 he, up, he was so fucking scared, bro. I fucked him up, bro. I broke one of his ribs. And, we, and in the crucible, we're not supposed to punch each other in the face. But I, since, I, since I was bodying him up, I, I, I broke one of his ribs, I, he hit me in the face. So at that point, I got the knock, bro. I, I was feeding the dog shot of a drill instructor. They stopped the fight because all the drill fuckers was around. But later on, my drill started to pull us to the side. Like, yeah, y'all fucked the motherfuckers up, man. I'm so happy y'all did that shit. Because <laughs> these white boys talking shit, bro. We, we, my boy knocked the other niggas out. He, he didn't go for the body punch at all. He, said. he went straight in there and, and just straight up knocked him out. We, oh, we on the, the sideline dying. But yeah, drill started to pull us to the side. Like, man, I'm so happy y'all beat their ass, bro. But, I, you know, he's like, I'm going to teach y'all some different shit. Because it was a couple times y'all could just knock them out with them body punches. But yeah, I fucked that white boy. He, he tried to switch up quick at the end of boot camp. 
Like, nah, bro. You know, we cool. I'm like, all right, cool. Nah, you gonna we want to fight Chester. I want to fight him. You going to feel every piece of this shit. <laughs> he felt all that shit. He had a hard time finishing fucking the rest of boot camp because, you know, his rear was fucked up. And then boot, and then MCT was fucked up. What about you, Rob? What was it? I think uh, JB and Black hit it on the head. I think going into it, like they said, he already sized him up. He knew his weaknesses. He knew his go-tos. He was like, oh, I'm going to wait for him to do this. And then so he do this, I'm going to show him. Yeah. Uh, the, another that, thing that, 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 hip, that hip toss and them shoulder throws, mm-hmm. be a motherfucker, bro. And it's simple. You can, you can pretty much hip toss or shoulder throw anybody, bro. Mm-hmm. No matter how small you is, the big. it's so easy to do it. Yeah. When you come up, it's basically you basically putting your ass into it. So you dip down, you put your ass on wherever you want to put it, and you lift up while you're pulling them. And the, when they they coming down, oh, man, man, that could that could that could that could kill them. Yeah. You can kill you can kill them motherfucker with a shoulder throw. Yeah. Hip toss, you can break something, but a shoulder throw, yeah, you can kill them. Yeah. The thing that I also wanted to point out in this fight was the the referee uh, Sue or so. Yeah. He his his immediate. You you know that he's been treated wrong by Calhoun. You know he has. You know, like without him even talking about his experience, he doesn't say anything. And the one thing he does say is he forces Calhoun to respect the tradition he stole from him. Like, hey, you can pretend to be part of me, but if you're going to pretend, you're going to also respect our traditions. And that was the first time I felt like Sue felt the need to hold Calhoun accountable. And that's when he really lost the fight, when he was held accountable. And that's when he had to leave. And I, like I said, my man's knew he lost. So he had to go. He packed up. Didn't, didn't think twice about it. He showed that early when he made him bow. <clears> oh, <throat> yeah, for sure. He wouldn't go forward without you bowing. Like, we're not going to keep fighting until you bow. Exactly. Yeah. So then we head up into Chapter 3. And uh, I don't know what the even hell I wrote here. But we have a – we have a, what we basically have is sort of like this love story now. Uh, yeah. And, well, uh, uh, you gonna call it that with the, with the, with the, with the, with the two? You know what? But you want to know something? The reason why I call it a love story is because of the the definition the the warrior queen that he calls her uh, from the yeah. people of the nineteen oh four. Oh, it's the Delari people. Yeah, that I think one, he just like low key fucking told her she was better than what she was coming out to be. Instead of just, you know how she was saying how most guys come in and try to tell her, like, yeah, you're going to have to do all this. He mm-hmm. let her know. He just showed her, you know, a way to, like, this ain't really for you, but, you know, I ain't going to come out and say what you're doing is wrong because, you know, it's your way of getting by. I and mean, she I, that. I, that was right there. That right, that, that's a fact right there. But I just enjoyed the fact of this, this small little, this passive aggressive way of telling her, like, hey, yeah. you don't have to live this lifestyle. But it's also not for me to tell you how you're going to live this life. But the thing that I really found so interesting about the definitions in 1904, they were finally colonized by the French, which sort of ended their regime. And the red that they used to wear in their attire kind of disappeared from their culture. So it was kind of like this weird thing because they're in a point right now where that red doesn't exist. And sort of like Freeman saying, I want to bring this back. It's sort of foreshadowing what I think he wants to do. He's trying to bring something back. He's slowly reminding people he comes across who, by our definition, that doesn't look like a love story. But to him, no, this is a woman that's worth loving in my eyes. 
So he's it's worth loving, but I, he just he just letting her know she worth loving. <laughs> Not that he, he love her, because later on you see who he love, and then and and we'll get to that. But uh, what did I, go well, ahead? I, was say, I think uh, his the way he valued her or show her her value, you kind of see that take place as she she no longer just taking anybody, you know, and mm. she starts to move up a little bit. She valued herself more. Um, and I think that's something that he's going to do throughout the book, too, is, like, show us our value um, throughout the book. He just pretty much letting black women, like, he, like he, letting you know he love black women, so he makes sure that they know mm-hmm. that they are, you know, who they are instead of just what they do. But for what it's worth, do you think it's tr- kind of strange that, th- especially in today's climate, um, more than ever, the black man is somehow being pitted against black women, yeah. and I'm not really. That's what I was saying to you the other day. Like y- y'all want me to be like to put the, to spread it apart. I, like I, I, I see that as a different issue. And they were like, "Oh no, that's you know the same yeah. as you know Black Lives Matter." I'm like, nah, it's different. Bro. You no, know, it's different. And like uh, I always, I say it like this, and people always look at me strange. But black men are to black women as white men are to black men. Yeah. Like that contrast, like white the 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 overhanging theory is that white men constantly fucking with us and not giving us the benefit of the doubt, not letting us make it see pass, and in to some capacity, black men have done that to black women. And it was something very interesting when, uh, uh, and the thing is, he never give I, we never get this lady's name, so her name is whore throughout the book, which is yeah. crazy. Like you can only identify her either through the red you know, on her dress or whore, but I'll say that the lady in red. <laughs> for for passive sakes but the fact is she never sold this man out no one sold freeman out and it just speaks to the shield like nature of black women for black men the constant they protection like it was it wasn't it wasn't so much that they could say about him because he wasn't he made sure that he was he was and, doing what he's supposed to do everywhere he stepped exactly instead of in certain places so it then begs the question do you think and this is the question. Do you think if she had dirt on him, she would have sold him out? JB. For the proper amount of money? At, okay. Uh, I I don't think so because she loved him. And we we talked about, I, me and Black, we talked about that, that, that Black women, Black men kind of conversation a little bit too. And I was talking about it with my sister yesterday also. And I think it's just a woman's nature like i don't even think that it's like black women black men i think it's women in general like they just when they love they protect at the same time like they're not gonna die you out um and and that's just kind of that's just kind of my thought process it also person by person everything so with that situation when she's getting questioned about him a little bit like has she known anything i don't think she would have dived him out because that wasn't gonna make any difference with that conversation and she loved him Black, you said she was sold, sell him out. I think so. I mean, after he gave her another twenty, she told him more, more, more. I feel like the more twenty she got, the more she would have said. It wasn't. It, see, at the time, it wasn't even more so that she loved him. She was growing to like him because remember she was gay. She well, she was like, man, for him, I damn near go. For, you know, I like That's a man straight. for him. Yeah. I invite him to the crib, but but that uh, you got that other twenty. Like, man, I already made what I would make for the whole weekend off this dude. <laughs> And it wasn't so much that she could save, so I, I couldn't even say whether or not she had truly died him out. Because if he he wasn't he wasn't that fucking um, he just wasn't letting nothing out like that. What about you, Rob? 
I would need more information. Um, I feel like it was too early on in, in their interactions with Dylan's, and then she didn't know anything about him. Yeah. And this this is the reason, and I would say she wouldn't have sold him out because for $20, she gave a little more information, but for $60, she could have made up a lie. And and the fact that she didn't lie on his name is proof to me that she she would have protected him no matter what. So that was just my oddball, oddball way of thinking about it. But, you know, we'll leave that to the people uh, who weren't part of the discussion to kind of simmer on. Uh, chapter four, which was really when things got hot for me. Uh, the sir versus the mister. Now we get to get an ideal of Freeman's ideology. And you start to see this rebellious side of him, you know, pop up. You, you, we're, this is the first time in the story where we're in his head. That's because of, that's when Joy came around, right? Uh, Joy was chapter five. I think. Chapter five, mid chapter five. Okay, that, okay, that's when. Okay, that's when I should see the change in him a little bit more. But I didn't like how. Okay, go ahead. Before. Well, so we get a conversation, and this is kind of escaping me. But the conversation uh, with uh, he had a conversation. Who did? He, who was he talking to? In chapter four. When it came to him, that's when he started doing the tours, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, the general, yeah, the general. Okay, conversation with the general. Okay, so we we get a we get a snippet into his life. He's one year into this world that he's living in. He's working in this small office. He's making good money. You know, he has not. He really has nothing to complain about, and he's staying sticking to his plan. But you know, it 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 baffles me that it was the secretary who kind of realized who introduced us to. He's not happy. You know, he's doing all these things that he wants to do. And she's desperately trying to get his attention. But his focus is, is so is so focused in. But to us, the readers, we don't know what he's focused on. So when he gives this tour and he gets word back from general, this conversation that he's having with this, uh, this, these the people, senator, he was talking or, to the senator, bro. It was yeah, the, the, senator, senator that, yeah, yeah, the senator that, that, that got him in. So it's like, yeah, the senator who gets to see the fruits of his labor. Like, oh, yeah, That's see, this deal or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I I got you in here, and it's like you know he's hearing him talk about this. But do you think Freeman's conversation about you know oh he worked as a social worker and he's trying to do this for black community fell on deaf ears in that conversation? For a dude to have had gained so much respect in such such a short amount of time, do you feel his conversation fell on deaf ears? Did they not heed the warning that he was kind of giving? Well, I feel like before we get there, one interesting yeah. thing that I thought we were going to talk about was a, the secretary a bit more. Yeah, oh, that's why. Go ahead, because like for me, I got I glossed over that. I didn't like I I thought it was as a in in my mind. I, if it, it, it was the startup to a cheap porno, that's what I thought it was. I thought <laughs> it was like, but for me, I, for me, I thought like she wanted him, but I feel like she would also try to use that against him, and I yeah. feel like that would have played that would have played on on what he was trying to do. Because if he's trying to mess with this white woman and, and secretary of the general, it 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 look bad. Uh, but I mean, she, she she didn't put that little titty on him <laughs> too two many times. times. Hey, that's she a good the dance, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, so you think she was a pl- yeah. she was a plot? She was a she was she a. Right? Yeah, and then oh, she, and then okay. she fuck her, then she realized like, damn, this nigga ain't like that. He, he ain't cool. bite. She like. Yep. And then she like, oh, this is what I want to do and stuff like. Cause that was the, the conversation with, with, with as far as what he was doing was with her. Only, See, and that went right that over my head. Yeah, and, and that went right over her. my head. Yeah. But she like, man, I'm comfortable with this dude. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to. I'm trying to get. She trying to be the woman. 
they get into the CIA. I don't know if they had women, but she was trying to get in there. No, nah, mm-hmm. they didn't have women. It, it's 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 crazy. You got to remember, they elected Obama before they even thought of Hillary. They, uh, white man would trust a black man first. It's just the man first. It's they they just know that part. But I I didn't even think they think of little of they ladies. Yeah, for sure. That's why the feminist movement, and then you know, black women just joined on. It wasn't a, it wasn't a thing for black women. No, nah. but that's why I was trying to you know to Jeremiah. That's why we talking about that. But, uh, I mean, by all means, keep going, JV. What else did you want to speak on for? No, I, so so that kind of changed my perspective when she was white. I was trying to figure out was she white or black? I must have missed it. But um, that changed my perspective with her being a, a, a white woman. She was definitely uh, she might have been put up to it by the senator. But yeah, that's what I was thinking. Man. You mean the general, the general, the general, the general, the general, the general yeah. you know, to see see what we can get out of him or see if we can. Because yeah. they, they trying to get him out of that. They don't really want him there. They put him in the general. Like, look, let me, the original plan was to just turn us through. Like they wasn't yeah. really trying to get somebody in the position. They was just showing he was just so good. Get somebody in the office. He was just yeah. so good. They couldn't get rid of him. So they was probably yeah. looking for a way to get rid of him. And then I feel like for me, when I was reading it, the thing that made me identify her as not black, right? I don't know exactly what she was, but I know she wasn't black by the whole the whole theory of them not being anyone black and the CIA. Yeah. So she was well, black. No, they they, they was clean. They, they, they cleaned up and stuff like that. And they cooked. And they did everything that niggas did back then. But yeah, cleaners, it wasn't like they not were a secretary, in, they though. Yeah. Yeah. So a secretary not for the to general. a general she was powerful. A, exactly. And, but she was the youngest, too, inside of the other old white women that they had. Yeah, I, I I immediately knew she was white, but once again, I, I up until this point, I, man, the book did a real good job of deflecting that from me. Because for me, at that point, I'm already thinking like Freeman, like, all right, bitch, whatever you got to say, I ain't trying to hear it. Like, <laughs> like I'm already thinking like Freeman. The book has done its job. I, I didn't pay attention to her because Freeman didn't pay attention to her. I'm following yeah. our protagonist, so I'm thinking. And she like, noticed that, you know. She's she oh, like, yeah. man, you coming here every time. You never repay. Like, I will be focused on what I got going on. You know, I got work to do and stuff like that. Man, that's, but he that's, tried. He's trying to do the overplay for the underlay. You know what I mean? And the reason he got to that secretary position that he got for doing the tours because of the center put that buzz in the general ear. Like, man, it's cool that you got him going around. Because the only reason the general told him to do the tour was because the center, it was, you know, it was them. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he wouldn't have that nigga doing nothing showing face. But he had to show face because he was the black person yeah. that they had in there. Yeah. So at that point, we get the sir versus mister conversation. And, and I don't know when the first time this dawned on me that this is something that people do to me. Um, but I it, it it happens more often than not because I'm 32 right now. But uh hold ass. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Got my hairline and everything still. I'm, I'm grateful. <laughs> grateful. <laughs> grateful, man. But uh the first time I was called sir, I mean mister, was by a police officer when I was 17. You know, he said, Mr. Abdullah, you know. Uh, do you have a license on you? And I was 17 and I wasn't driving, so I didn't have a license on me. And I was like, no. He was like, well, sir, Mr. Hamapo. And I, then I said, sir, back to him. And he said, and then this is when the officer correct me, said, it's officer so-and-so. And I was just like, you're, you're still sir to me. So I don't like, you can go fuck yourself. Call my parents. <laughs> like, right. And I was, and once again, this is me coming from a world where I grew up at TF North where it was pretty diverse and 
I don't ever remember running into police, but you know, once again, my experience doesn't dictate how much I fight for people's rights and freedoms. I've never been in a cage, but I still fight for immigrant kids. Like this is they walk me home every day. So yeah, it's it's kind of one of those <laughs> badass. <laughs> <laughs> But but it was sort of this thing, this duality. So that was my experience with it. I just want to quickly go around. When was your first realization of that that distinction of a white person trying to uh, consolidate you or trying to tame you or trying to, you know, circ you, JB? So it wasn't even a, a white person when I, the sir versus mister, when I was first talking about it. So my brother was a part of the nation when he first got out. And it was like, talking about you this is how you address certain people you serve and mister and i'm looking at them like they just people like every i don't care you know where the distinction is because my parents have always taught me you know respect you got respect be you know from older age but you also got to give me respect to give to receive that respect um so my first time was actually with us you know trying to to i thought it was overdoing it you know, giving people respect that has never earned anything from me. So that was my first encounter. For me, I, I always, as far as the respect thing, I, I'm going to respect you until you give me a reason not to. I, I never was like, all right, like, all right, I'm going to be like closed out to people. I wasn't, that was never me. I'm a social dude. So I'm going to give you respect until you give me a reason not to. It don't take long for me not, you know, for, for that to happen. This, and uh, I never experienced a Mr. Versus Sir thing ever. The the other the other part of it that actually made me change my perspective, I probably was younger. Uh, when I first got out to Cal City, it was a lot more white people when we first got to Cal City. And um, I remember being at one of my one of my friends' uh, associate's house or whatever, and he calling his parents by his first by their first name. Uh, and I remember when I first got to college and. One of my best friends, like the way they spoke around their parents. And I'm like, OK, maybe we overdo that whole sir, mister, um, first name, last name. Like my daughter and some of the friends that we associate with, like what you I always ask, what you want her to call you? Because this is what she going to call you. She three years old. You know mm-hmm. what you want her to call. You? And it's never been like call me Mr. This or call me sir that. So that's changed my complete perspective around that. Rob, it's, a, like, it's a generational thing. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, what, how, what have you come across, Rob? I think the, I feel like it's been a lot of occurrences, but I feel like the most memorable one. And like similar to JB, I intentionally made a decision to not go to an HBCU because I wanted to outshine white people, right? Going into a white profession, a white dominated profession. So the weekend before, I went to quite a few schools, my life crazy. But, um, the weekend before I left to go to Marquette, it's me and I got I have five younger brothers. So me and two of my younger brothers, we riding around, I think we're on like 80 or 90th and um, commercial right there about a McDonald's. And we get pulled over by a white shirt. It was like a sergeant lieutenant, right? What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Ignorant, bro. <laughs> and it's like three in the afternoon. It's like three in the afternoon, right? It's not like That's midnight. Loop. It's nothing like that. You're a loser. Right? <laughs> That's right? A so um, we get pulled over and then he like licenses the registration and then after that he goes oh where you gang bangers headed right my shirt off is hot it's the summer I got tattoos immediately went to where, where you gang bangers headed so I left right and then um, I was like oh if you and now I'm petty right but 
I've learned to be petty without being physical. And what I mean by that is my response was, if you're going to call me something, call me a student of Marquette University because that's who I am, right? And then he was like, oh, I didn't know they let your cat in that in a school yeah. like that. <laughs> like, we, in the, we in the country club, right? fool. What's up? So, 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 so now, so now I got to be more petty, right? Yeah. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, damn, what do I say to, to get under his skin? Because I got to get him back, right? Because you know and you're smart, like, Yeah, exactly. And that's what I played to. I was like, actually, right? I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter than your wife. If you have a son, I'm smarter than your son. I'm smarter than your daughter. Anybody in your family, I'm smarter than, and I can still survive in this environment that I'm in right now. Right? So at that point, he got mad. And he like tried to grab me out the car. And another officer came and pulled him off me. And he was Hispanic. So he, they pulled the lieutenant away. Then Hispanic was, he's like, dude, I ain't never seen nobody talk to him like that. <laughs> you know, and for me, it that's was the like, problem, bro. Because the people he work with don't even let him know. Like, yeah, that's that's what be mm-hmm. killing me. Mm-hmm. They, it be too many yes sir as black cops, bro. They just hey, do what hey, they you know, do fit in. I tell people this all the time whenever they come up to me with this whole black, bad apple situation. Have you ever seen fruit, a tomato, a, like a rotten tomato next to a good tomato? You know what happens to that other tomato? They rot too. It gets yeah. rotten too. Like mm. that whole bad apple joint don't make no sense to me because if you've ever seen real fruit, it contaminates. That's what it does. It's a bacteria. It's a fungus. It travels. So you, oh, it's one bad apple. No, that means you're you got to cut down the fucking tree. Yeah, it's and he's in a position of power. He's not yeah. like a regular police yeah, officer, a, which makes him more dangerous. It makes him more dangerous. Everybody but- got to follow his lead. Yeah. No reason a lieutenant should be pulling anybody over. Yeah. They, they, their whole job is to come supervise. oversee what everybody else doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you just walk. Anytime a white shirt, I'm just uh, you. Are you that? You're that boy. <laughs> All right. Let's do this, loser face. Somebody must have made his ass go out. No, for sure. Uh, so, if there's nothing else for chapter four, then we'll push on to chapter five. And this is where shit kind of got confusing for me. I don't know if it was because. Uh, I got the bootleg version, but uh, <laughs> immediately, immediately, uh, we get this dynamic, um, this role reversal, and we get to see Freeman in a vulnerable spot here. What was what was the first thing that you noticed about this early conversation with Joy? For me, I felt like like Joy just want she was one of them. You know, I feel like her her parents was she was light skinned off back. That's what came in my head. It kind it, 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 it annoyed me that she wanted to, she wanted to like forget about where she came from. But, you know, she's like, yeah, but that was the whole point. Are you leaving? Like, that's never that shouldn't be the point of you getting getting to where you get just to be gone. Yeah, if you, it because doesn't you, make you. you it doesn't you still have family there. It doesn't help you. Like, if I can't, it doesn't. Me becoming successful doesn't help me if I can't come back home. Oh, like. Yeah. If I can't come back to Cal City, if I can't go back to Nigeria without, you know, someone looking at me like this, like, what the fuck you doing here? Then did I really achieve anything? Uh, uh, Joy, Joy struck me. I I know Joy's. I know Joy's. Oh yeah, almost definitely. Like we all know. I don't know if they all they all not light skinned There's some dark skinned ones too. But yeah. it's it's rare though. But <laughs> seeing. <free. laughs> <laughs> seeing Freeman be vulnerable. This is the first time we're seeing our protagonist has a, he has a weakness. He has a dent yeah. in his armor, and that kind of and so, that kind of set me off. It, it 
it, I, actually, when she was introduced, I thought back to the light-skinned dude from the HBCU mm. and, like, why his disdain for that type of person, like, where it come from. Like, I can deal with her. Like, this is my woman. But, like, you you kind of, as you, as you go through Chapter 5, you also realize, like, they didn't make it and he got a certain disdain for that type of that type of person mm. and he's had that conversation probably a thousand times and it also kind of flashed me forward to, to to now you know and it's something that i consciously do like even if i when i talk to my wife like we talk about like making sure that as we continue to progress in life like we we not separating ourselves i want everybody to know where we from who we are you know, even through State Farm, we do I am who I am. And I posted my, you know, where I'm from, how I got here and everything about that, because that's actually my advantage, like where I'm from. That's what separate. That's what makes me special in the positions that I'm coming from. So you can't separate that. So, Rob, did you have a problem with uh, Joy's dynamic, like how she sort of she was for the first time in this story, there was someone telling Freeman what he's going to do. <laughs> I feel like Joy was trained slash brainwashed by her parents to do exactly as they said, you know, yeah. and as she became an adult, she did exactly what, what, what they said, right. Which was go find you a black man. That's the most successful period. Mm-hmm. Period. And I feel like that's what it came down to her, the guy that she's that, um, that I could boy Freeman sees her with. That's who we saw her with the guy who her parents want to with instead of him. Yeah. No, but she but she loved him so much she wanted mm-hmm. him to be that she and she did and that was the first time Freeman becomes apparently clear because as as for as smart as Freeman is his intellectual mind it's easy to say he could have been a lawyer or a doctor but the fact that is then revealed to us that she suggested him being a doctor I mean a lawyer and he she immediately and he says yeah you know I thought about that and I can do that and she immediately counters and says you hate those type of people you you have a you have a physical reaction to those type of people so you can never be one of them so this let me know that Freeman's resolve while early isn't solidified he 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 took that first L and then we do the flashback scenario where he meets and this is what my impression was because they she meant he he says the lawyer or the doctor so meaning he already knows which one she she's going she was probably going to take and yeah. so i have to assume that this was a flashback where the first time he met her but i wasn't sure if this was like post like okay after this after this conversation they finally got married and they're out one night and he runs into them or was this a flashback that part wasn't clear to me but it became inherently sh- like i thought it was a flashback cuz he knew who she had picked picked already and that's what i, I kind of figured yeah. show like him encountering him come walking up to that and at and and at that point i kind of like was like dang so he's he he's already seen this l from a mile away but he was just indulging himself and that's a level of narcissism narcissism that i wasn't really comfortable with because i don't know how that that made me feel because now we're seeing armors and flaws and now i'm starting to be able to point out flaws in his own ideology like if if you knew that you had no shot with her why would you get this involved with her like you were able to have sex with the whore uh, just three chapters ago and have no emotion, but you were willing to call her the queen. And here is your queen, and now you're not, you know, fighting for it. So it's kind of strange. I, nah, for I, me, it would feel like he spent too much, like, for, for him, he got to a point where, like, I spent too much time trying to get her to see the better light of, of us and our people. So I'm not going to fight any further because 
it, it ain't gonna help it. Like she 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 later on in life probably see it because it always happens. You always see it later on in life how special you are and your people are. Especially when you already have somebody to tell you, probably take another person to let you know. But she'll eventually see it and then she'll regret it because that dude that she's gonna be with gonna get boring. Go ahead, JB. Well, um, I I was I took it in another way um, with Freeman, just like he wasn't putting anything above what his mission was. Mm. Like he wasn't even as 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 hurt as he was, because I took it as hurt, not you know anything else. As hurt as he was, he was like, "Well, my people and what I'm doing, I, I want you to be happy. Like if marriage gonna make you happy, go get married. <clears throat> but I can't stop what I'm doing because." I view what you talking about so wrong. You know, I, I love you, but go be happy, you know. But did, did he, okay, is that in chapter five where he like trying to move his job or that chapter six? Because then he move after that back and, to Chicago. I have to admit, this is where I get lost because this is when my mm-hmm. book gets ghetto. Like I, <laughs> my bootleg version let me down right here. So I literally, this is the line I stopped was after he introduced himself to the. He said he introduced himself to the boyfriend sitting across from Joy. Then my book started talking about some Roman Greek type stuff. And I was like, okay, this ain't the same. I thought he ends up back with the general in chapter six. And they talking about that. But yeah, well, because like because he, he was still working it. with them. But I thought he, he was he, like working in Chicago, too. Or something, it was something going on. It was a break. He, yeah, it was a break. So like he had left to go to Chicago and do his own thing, but he had to go back to New York eventually. I think it was like six weeks they had off or something. Yeah, I'm going I'm to I'm redo, I'm going to reread that shit too, though, anyway, because that's that got to, I'm like, maybe I'm I'm, I'm past what So what was, was the last thing that happened in Chapter 5? He, he he talked to them, and then he left out. You know what okay, I mean? Okay, and that was the, the guy okay. Frank, right? Yeah. yeah, the guy, the guy's, the boyfriend name was Frank. All right, so that would... So that pretty much concludes uh, our five chapter review of this. Um, we're going to jump right into the discussion part. We got 10 minutes left. Uh, it does. I mean, I feel like we were pretty thorough about the book uh, covering the chapters. So uh, this doesn't have to necessarily fall into the book, uh, but it's, you guys, we got 10 minutes to let it ride. So there it is. Um, just off top, are, how you got on a scale of one to 10, what do you think of the book right now? Uh, I, I'm intrigued. Uh, I would give. I honestly would give it a ten because it speaks to so many different aspects of what it is to be kind of navigating multiple worlds. I wrote down a few words that stuck okay. out. So assimilation, uh, mm-hmm. being that token, that token brother throughout, uh, and then navigating the multiple personalities that he has to. Mm-hmm. So like those things from, and I think they're gonna keep popping up. You know. Cause we still black hit it. Like we still talking about the first black president or the first black this. And, you know, it all started with that token mentality. Like we just going to put one of them in an area to make them happy, you know? And even one of my mentors, he talks to me about being a trailblazer, like how you got to try to navigate and, and, and doing the world. So I think that it's going to be, I'm, I'm curious to see where it's going. I think for me reading through the books and like with chapter one right the first takeaway when I read the first two paragraphs I was like oh this is Biden right here Mm. right the Senate is Biden in my eyes Mm. Um, and depending on your viewpoint 
that token black person can be perceived as Obama. That's the, I'm going to ask you to extrapolate on that one because because and this is and I was talking I statements right because um, sure. I want to speak for anyone but I felt like as the president sure you're the leader of the free world but you still you still kind of have to consult a room full of people and 10 out of 10 is going to be a room full of white people right so sure he's the president but he can only do so much he has to roam within the confines that's given to him you know and i feel like if he were to he being obama were to go too far extreme outside of those confines man they would have assassinated that brother i mean they would I, you have you can definitely speak to that but after going through four years of trump it's very clear that the president doesn't live by the same rules that yep the rest of the people country it, it, it speaks if anything it speaks more to obama's respect of the office before you speak to the sort of hidden hey you better stay in line no he understands where the lines are and they're there for a reason JBC. so so and I, for him though he, uh, he did he did put around people to, to diversify the shit out of exactly on a regular basis exactly. he got he had a lot of chicks and then he had black people. He had a bunch of people around it, so he had diversified. And it definitely is like a sign of fucking Biden, bro, when when it came to the to that white man. He wanted to be friends with the white people, and that's what annoyed me because it's so it's so many it's so many sections of the Democratic Party that split up. And we keep choosing the same portion of them. It's, it's Biden it, 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 it's a it, man it's, it's, it's what I think it's like three I, or four different portions of the Democratic Party alone that's separate I'll speak to that a little bit later but go ahead JB no I was just gonna say with, with Obama um, I always found it crazy that he became president as fast as he did and his the the the, the pace in which he accelerated through Washington I think he was a senator for two years and only going up for his second term. And I always felt like it's impossible for him to be what he could have been as a president. So to Rob's point, like, I think I think that people knew it. You know, Black had me watch um, the Malcolm X, uh, who assassinated Malcolm X. And, like, once I, you start to really know about, like, what the FBI capable of and the CIA, like, I think people really knew the power that Obama had. And it's like, Let's hurry up and make this nigga president before he become what he can become mm. as a president. Let's so. let's get him on our uh, let's get him on our line before we have to take out his line. Like right. there's something to be realized there. Uh, I want to speak to something that this book is 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 questioning the definition of success in the black culture. Um, throughout this chapter, we've met a, a variety of black people and. Even to some extent, even with the street workers and their level of success, you know, to have an apartment in downtown D.C., <laughs> even if it was 10 years ago, you're still talking about 60. Yeah, that's that's not a cheap endeavor. Hey, D.C. was always yeah. chocolate city, though. It was, it was. always chocolate yeah, city. It, yeah, it still is. Like, it, as, yeah. as hard as they're trying to put them fucking targets and in, 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 uh, whole, foods whole Foods down there, <laughs> it don't matter. Like, you're not going... Howard is Howard. So, uh, this, right. the level of success that comes through comes through to me is sort of eerie to me because you do see this, this, this like, this 
mindset where it's like it's never enough and we all have established ourselves to a certain extent and you know by no means are we at our peak but what does success look like to you guys based on like seeing the trajectory that freeman is taking because he's not just successful he's he could be a general like he has the mindset his greatness is being locked away so what does success look like to you guys for me i think success is getting the game um from the people who 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 who's been playing it the longest and giving it to you and taking it back to your people for them to win for me that's success i mean because i feel like in in my profession, there's two type of black men. And what I mean by that, and there's one black man who's like, I'm going to do this. Fuck y'all. <laughs> and there's an, and they climb fast. Yeah, right. But there's another type of, mm, they, they will tell you. Right. <laughs> but there's another type who like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take the long work. I'm going to take the long route. And those people play the long game and they're like, look, okay, I'm going to be successful, but these five people behind me are going to be successful too. Mm-hmm. And it's longer for those people because they're not just doing it for themselves. But I feel like the latter is the true definition of success for me. In my I, eyes. I feel like we right at that point where it is about to become the faster route, though. Mm-hmm. Like it's is we right at a, a bridge point and as it should be. Yeah, as it should be. And when you talk about the definition of success, I wrote down, you know, I remember in the book, the general talked about how far behind our development is. Mm-hmm. And I actually had a a, um, a conversation with one of my white counterparts in, in my office. And we was talking about going through Juneteenth, Juneteenth and all of these other discussions. And I told him, I said, you know, I broke down the 400 years form of progression and, you know, why we still feel the way that we do. I said, you know, it wasn't until 60 years ago that we was actually getting some of the opportunities that y'all already built up. And we trying to get navigate into your world and explaining that to them, how many of them don't even understand that. I don't know. We was given the opportunity to take those, you know, take, take them, but we wasn't giving yeah. the damn thing. They, giving would give, they would give it. They was like hand it to them. Right. It exactly. was put up, a, up, up to a certain level to where we could jump and grab it or fight to get up there. <laughs> right. But it wasn't like. Gotta it was, beat each other up to get it. it. Yeah. yeah. I always explained it. I always explain it like lacrosse or tennis or or golf. Like if if black people could play golf as soon as they could play soccer, football, or basketball as easily, we'd be the champions of that too. Lacrosse and everything. Like Tiger Woods. Yeah, like the, the, we. It's all about access. Your ability to access something dictates it to you. Like I, my first time on the golf course. I was up there swinging, like, you know, I'm ambidextrous. I'm just swinging. Trying to, and it, and one white dude, probably like 55 years old, walks up to me and says, hey, man, swing with your left. And I hit with a five iron, a ball like 273 yards. And everybody's jaw hit the damn ground. And they were like, you said this is your first time up? I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, this ain't nothing to me. And the white dude walked off and said, you 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 got something there, son. You got something. That, it's just about access. It's a sport to us, yeah. It's just it, a sport to us at the end of the day, and like we we different. And one thing, kind of, you was talking about a little bit, but what stood out to me in the book when we talk about Freeman is, I think he shows us how how, or even with the general, I think they know how how good we are. Like if I can, if they can combine the brains with the athleticism. They usurp us. My dad asked me a long time ago. He's like, why are they so scared of us? It's because they know that. 
you like you know that at the end of the day, like they already athletic. Like if we add some brains to them, like what what's you know we so we got it. But they know we were smart though. It wasn't. Yeah, that's like, why they, they kept us reading. They, 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 they were trying to not acknowledge know. it. Yeah, yeah, they didn't yeah. Acknowledging you. greatness yeah. gives you power. Like. Yeah. Uh, it's that it's it's the reason why you know heart is the one stat that no one can ever account for. It's it's just the drive that that mm-hmm. that wanting to survive and wanting to be the best of the best. But I mean, for all it's worth, I mean, we we definitely have to say that I'm happy we started this book. Uh, I immediately started thinking of other books uh, that we could jump onto, but you know, I'm definitely excited to get through this book. So I think we're good for another what. Uh, maybe I mean we went through this It's uh, one o'clock on a dot That's all I'm saying is as the host Of the first time Of our first book club meeting That's some good ass timing for me Like I'm just saying just acknowledge that I'm just patting myself on the back I did this shit <laughs> I'm just hey, saying hey, man, man, that's far, what's For me success, Being successful is always self defined For me I always, hey. I've been saying this for the, past, for the past few years Like your level of success is going to be self-defined. So if you feel that you're successful and you're happy with where you are, happiness is your success. Yeah. You get to a point where you can be like, man, I'm glad I'm doing this. This is what I want to do. I mean, if you want to advance that level, then bam, you can do that. You set your goals to what, what makes you successful. Don't let nobody else define it so that way you never feel like it ain't good enough for you. Because that'd be too, too many people be stuck on that. Mm. Be like, man, I ain't, I ain't at this point in life, so I ain't successful. No, nah, man, you, you know, once you get, once you, once you're happy about getting up, you successful. So it's funny you say that. I always say one comparison is the thief of joy. Two, yeah. I was just telling my my wife uh, maybe a couple of days ago. I said athletes and entertainers make you feel like you're supposed to be somewhere in your life that is really not attainable unless you're an athlete or an entertainer. And now today with tech, right? So like if you're not in those three fields, you shouldn't be looking at being a millionaire before you're thirty. Like it's possible. But you shouldn't be tracking your life like that. Yeah. So, and I feel like social media makes it even yeah. even more daunting because that information is so easily attainable. And I feel like even beyond just success, like relationships are that much more difficult. Because I mean, hey, you got him, you got him at a swipe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even like man, she, people people can't be like like I love when he rotates focus on focusing because you know people mm-hmm. will be like they they look at what they have and they always compare it to everything else. Like he said, like. Yeah. You don't need to compare, like, because there's always something or someone better than what you have. I always tell people. But you got to find what you have that you love. You know I mean? You don't have to go for the best of the team because you got to look at yourself, too. You're not the best of everything for for that next person. I always tell people the saddest people I've ever met in my life is when I was in the NFL. I literally would sit there and watch millionaires crying in their in their matches. And I walk up to them in my little four my little two door uh apartment while I'm playing for an NFL team. Like, dang, what's wrong, bro? He's like, Man, can't man, they even forgot my damn guac with my salad. And I'm like, that that that's that's what's bringing tears to your grown ass <laughs> eyes. They, they forgot a, a topping on your salad. I had to walk here and get on a bus just to come and bring you this stuff as a freshman on the team, bro. He's like, and I appreciate you for that. I'm like, you have whole chefs at your disposal, bro. One one ingredient's missing and it changed your life. But you know, hey, success is the but definition. Those, but, but those people are different, though. Like, you know, oh no, they they, they don't they, they don't live in our world. They, and yeah. you should never try it. And that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It's it, it seeing 
them at an early age at 21 and seeing that oh like this i'll tell y'all this story this is an experience when i got picked up from the airport my first day in new york uh, i got picked picked up by jpp uh and you know he was the he was the phenom from last year 90 million dollars so he p- pulled up in the bugatti threw me the keys you drive tmz everybody taking pictures and stuff i'm shaking because i don't know how to drive this car like i tap on the gas we go zero to 60 boom i'm down the street <laughs> I'm zooming. He's like, first thing he says, we first thing we got to do is take you to go get some clothes because you look like shit and you can't be driving a good ass car like this looking like shit unless you're doing shit. And I was just so confused and baffled. It was like, first things first, we need to get you some sunglasses. He says, pull down the visor. <laughs> pull down the visor and grab my glasses. So I pull down the visor, put on the glasses, right? And I see these papers fly out, out of the window because he got the windows down. And one of them land on my lap. And I look down. It's a check for $75,000. So I jam on the brakes. Open the, hey, what you doing? That's money out there. He says, "That's we don't stop for money. And right then and there, right then and there, my, my idea, my mind melting. I felt my fucking brains bleeding through my nose because they don't live in this world. Money is a figment of their imagination. And that's when I knew, oh, no, I can't compare myself to these guys. I have to get in, get the fuck out. So success is really the definition you make it. Really. I went into the financial advising world in the first place, man. Like looking at some of those stats, like 60% of them going broke. And y'all don't know what y'all can do. Like that's 75,000 that's flying out the window. Like you don't know what you can do with that. That's a down payment. But at one point in your life, they at one point in their life, they 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 understood. And it's just about like getting them back to where you understand because you are turning to a millionaire overnight. Your life changed. Like you, and that's what I was about to talk think? about, though. As far as like, that's why I'm saying they're not the same. But I was talking about their maturity level. For for sports figures and entertainers, they 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 grow so quick and financially, but they mind still at the same level. A lot of them are not mature enough to, to manage their money. They'll care about their money. That's why, you know, Rob talking about Nip and people of their nature, like Jay-Z and people like that, they thought about that in advance. They wasn't worried about the look so much and everything else. Like like NFL players and you know sports figures, they always think about the look. A lot of yeah. them They think about the sure. look, and you know, you see Westbrook. It might he might look like a clown, but that shit expensive. <laughs> but for football, but for football, everybody don't get ninety million dollars. Most yeah. of the motherfuckers mm-hmm. not getting a lot at all. And it, 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 like, and people complain like they make all that money. You be like, no, nah, they make enough money because. It's a million people watching them. They need to get some of that money. They're not getting all the money that everybody else getting. They coaches. I mean, not you know the owners and shit. They getting billions for that shit. You mad this motherfucker getting a couple dollars when another motherfucker yeah. gets a thousand? Yeah, <laughs> you over here mad that some dude <laughs> right thousand dollars and taking a knee while homeboy yeah. owner over there owns half your city and isn't paying the electric bill. Like he got mm-hmm. the stadium on all night, all week for six months. I'm <laughs> on the electric bill. Meanwhile, and your bill is high because of bill high as shit. shit. <laughs> they don't even pay taxes. <laughs> <laughs> he pays, hey, he pays seven fifty. That's what I'm about to try to get. I Google like who is his account? He cold. He cold. Whoever his tax person is is cold. But they market everything down as a loss, and they not they not even really giving a fuck that they doing the it. NFL is a non for profit organization, yeah. which is crazy to me. It's and nobody ever talks about that. Five hundred three C insane. How are y'all non for profit? We talking about an like we talk about like the NFL, bro. Like the NFL, the biggest sports the biggest sports conglomerate in the world is non for profit. 
crazy. Finesse. Finesse. <laughs> and that's what I made by learning the game and giving it to your people. Exactly. It's like, oh, they can do that? Like, like people, like people get so have been on Trump, like, oh, he only paid. He was like, why not instead? Like, okay, that happened. Well, how can do? we do that? Yeah. Right. How can I do, that? I, tell people, do that? I tell people, I'm like, get your business. No matter what the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. If you want some money, claim them as losses or pay enough taxes. But some people like, okay, people like to get money back for their taxes. So I always tell them, like, put a little bit extra into your taxes. Then you get all that back. Every portion you get, you pay extra, you get all of that back. But you can also not, you can also just pay what you're supposed to on a dot. So you don't have to worry about getting anything back or paying anything. You yeah. just be able to use that money while you got it. But no, yeah, like, some, you know, some people try, try to use, like, trying to get that money, like, during a year. When they get it, they're going to spend it. So it's better mm-hmm. for them to just put that little extra into their tax so they get that shit back. Or get a business, claim a loss. But you don't want to claim a loss all the time because what you, it depends on what you're trying to do with your business. If all you want to do for tax season is get a couple extra grand, cool. But you ain't going to better get take that business to the next level if, if somebody looking at it like, okay, do I want to join them? Like, no, nah, they go for losses every year. Why I want to join them? <laughs> <laughs> I can't do shit with this dude. He can't manage his business right. He said he <laughs> claiming losses. Well, I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, fellas, I appreciate y'all, man. I think this was a great discussion. Hey, this is the first one. Clap it up. You guys are the four. We the four horsemen right now. So, like, congratulations, y'all, man. And, and we're going to have to talk about that, too, on the, in the group. Like, yeah, like, it's Sunday. I mean, yeah, Half the group members ain't going to church. You know, y'all got time. <laughs> I, I, and hey, I don't hold it against nobody because, like, this, I'm on call right now, so I could they could have called me and I would have been like, "All right, deuces, y'all," and that's it. I, I'm on my superhero shit, but yeah, you could have muted know. us, <laughs> muted y'all out of business. We could have, we could have all walked into that surgery room without do rag. Hey, they damn right. You know what? Four <laughs> brothers, we here to help. Uh, but uh, I appreciate you guys real quick. Uh, JB, Rob, Black, man. It's been great having you guys here. This is a great discussion. Uh, this is the first books in uh, Beyond the Male Book Club. And we were able to talk about the, we're reading the book, The Spook That Sits at the, I always get this wrong. I always want to say Spook That Sits by the Window, but it's the door. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a radio one, too. I got to see what that one is about also. It's, there's a movie I'll, I'll put on that too. It's like from the 60s, but it's... Uh, yeah. Or the 80s, rather. But it's a good... Uh, I'm going to check out all three platforms. But uh, yeah. I appreciate you guys coming on, man. Uh, you guys give a little sign out. Is there anything anybody want to shout out? Anything like that? Uh, man, I'll see y'all this time next week. Hopefully we can get a few more. Yeah, yeah and I want y'all to check out... If y'all ain't seen that, who, who uh, killed Malcolm X on Netflix, check it out. So, Because it's crazy, the people that you see who did know. And who knows? And then nobody did nothing about it. And how the people who knew, like Devin Booker, fucking knew. Mm. And he was running for president, you know, just a couple years ago. Yeah, and he knew who killed Malcolm X, and they all—he's just like, yeah, we don't talk about it. It's so—it's so crazy, man. Where he was going mentally, and that's why mm-hmm. you know, we had to make sure it go back to kind of the Obama thing. Like, we got to make sure he gone. Like, yeah, okay, they, they can't know about this. So, no, definitely. Rob, any plugs? I'm just looking forward to next week's discussion. This is real good. Now, man, I'm happy we're able to do this. Uh, well, from uh, from us to you guys, you know, take care of yourselves. Hey, go register, go vote, uh, do the census, do all the responsible things you're supposed to, and we'll see you guys here one week from today.
hey, Black, I'm putting my project in the building in my background and next one, too, since you're the same way as yours. <laughs> hey, I had Chicago, and I'm like, hold up, man, they ain't really me. That's what I'm talking about. Black. That's Keep I'm it from. real, man, because I was going to call you out for it, but I'm, I, saw, I saw it change twice. I was like, ah, okay. He, he, everybody from Cal City, all of a sudden, they from Chicago. Man, you used yeah. to get on the same bus as me. Don't you sit here? That's where I'm from, right here, boy. I ain't going to put Cal City. That's a lie. All right.